truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here, as well as all of you. 888-933-93 is the number to the Blaze. 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com uh, is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Typical Wednesday around here, we will finish up uh, next hour with our weekly profit of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will give us a rundown of some of the election day results and some of the stories you're not hearing. For example, a college town voted against sanctuary cities yesterday. A college town did. That that doesn't line up with the narrative, right? And it's in Arizona, a key border state. Well, you know, Arizona's trending purple because, uh, you know, the GOP's gone too right on issues like immigration, and they want more candidates like John McCain. And yet a college town in the state voted against sanctuary cities. Hmm. We'll get into that and more with our good friend Daniel Horowitz later in the program. And then, of course, in between, plenty of one of your favorite segments each week because you get to direct most of the conversation. Then there's the crummy list Aaron brings to the table every week along with it. Is there one of those this week? Uh, it's the crummy list that, the list that Rolling Stone brings to the table every week. I want to make sure we get that right. Yeah, yes, you're, you're a victim. Uh, Rolling exactly. Stone makes you bring the list to my program. Yeah, they, yep. they force you to do this. You're compelled. The, the power of Rolling Stone compels thee. Yep. Yes, there's nothing you can do. You're just sitting there minding your own business, All coming sudden, up with great ideas, and yep. suddenly somebody at Rolling Stone points at, well, it wouldn't be a gun because they don't believe in those. So uh, maybe a, the, a proverbial uh, a taser routine stick. Routine background check. Yeah, there, there it is. Yep. They, they point a routine background Twitter check on your past uh, uh, postings on you, and you decide I've got to import another crummy list from Rolling Stone to this program. Anyway, it's called Buy, Seller Hold, plus Aaron's crummy lists. Uh, that's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Election Day. Yes, yesterday was Election Day, and the most surprising results were those out of Kentucky. Just kidding, it was in Virginia, where a dude who feels pretty became the first trans person to win re-election in a state legislature. That re-election came as part of the Democrats sweeping both houses of Virginia's legislature. But anywho, about that Kentucky race, its former governor, Republican Matt Bevin, lost his re-election bid to Democrat Andy Bashir by a few thousand votes. Bevin, however, is refusing to concede. What's odd is that Republican Daniel Cameron won the Kentucky Attorney General race rather handily, as did numerous other Republicans down the ticket. In other elections, Republican Tate Reeves won the Mississippi gubernatorial race, Washington state voters rejected affirmative action, and Texas voters affirmed a ban on state income tax, making it harder for lawmakers down the road to ever impose income tax in that state. Moving on, after the brutal murders of Americans at the hands of suspected cartel members in Mexico, the New York Times ran a piece about Mormonism? The brutal killing of nine members of an American family in northern Mexico on Monday highlights the long history of religious fundamentalist settlers in the region. Our religion reporter Elizabeth Diaz details their history back to the early 20th century. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is... 
How do you say cartel violence in English? ¿Cómo se dice violencia del cartel en inglés? ABC News released a statement on yesterday's bombshell regarding the network's cover-up of pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, saying the story they had at the time didn't meet their editorial standards. Huffington Post headline, The Environmental Impact of Your Thanksgiving Dinner. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul says he may release the name of the whistleblower who prompted the Trump impeachment inquiry. I don't understand what prevents you from getting on the Senate floor where you're protected on all kinds of things and just giving a speech and saying what the guy's name is if you're convinced you know who it is. No, I can and I may, but I can do it right now if I want. Nothing stops me. There's no law that stops me from doing it. Other than that, I don't want to make it about the one individual. In weird news, a woman pretending to be a dude wrote an op-ed in Vice recently lamenting the fact that women she tries to date always flee when they realize that she's a she and not a he. Desmond Napolis, the drag queen kid you remember, was the focus of yet another glowing video profile, this time by the popular website Mashable. When I was two, um, after I saw season one of RuPaul's Drag Race, I um, started using my mom's towels, blankets, and bubble wrap, whatever I could get my hands on. I would wrap them around my body and put them on my head to make it look like I had a wig on. I started going drag shows when I was five years old, and it was really fascinating to see these people like dressing how they want and all this fierce makeup they had on. Well-known actress Emma Watson was asked recently why she's still single as she approaches her 30th birthday, to which she responded to British Vogue, quote, It took me a long time, but I'm very happy being single. I call it being self-partnered, end quote. And finally, a listener to this show by the name of Luke Gaskell tried to get Amazon's Alexa to play the Steve Day show, and he had a hard time doing so. Alexa, play Cardi B. Shuffling songs by Cardi B on Amazon Music. Alexa, play the Steve Dace show. I cannot play from TuneIn while the explicit filter is on. So yeah, Cardi B is super cool with Alexa, but the Steve Dace show, that's, that's no bueno. And that's what happened while we were away. May have received no greater honor in my career. Granted, that's sad as well. Okay, but I'm going to, at 46, man, you learn to take it where you can get it. All right. So uh, that is that is the singular great honor I have received in what has otherwise been a rather mediocre career. Aaron's Montage today brought to you by Riduzone. If you are struggling uh, to keep your portion sizes and your cravings under control, particularly this time of year, it is the most wonderful time of the year when it comes to food, right? Just remember, it's it's not necessarily what you're eating, but how much. And that's where Riduzone comes in. There's a molecule in your body. Uh, it's called OEA. And what it does is it lets the brain know when the belly is full. And and this is what Riduzone wants to help you with. It puts more OEA in your body. Why? Because if you're already struggling with your weight, then you've conditioned your mind to just ignore that signal and just keep going, right? And Riduzone comes in with more of that OEA. That's that's why it's FDA accepted, vegan-friendly, uh, gluten-free, because that's all it is. It's not loaded with chemicals, additives, stimulants, fillers, preservatives, etc. It's just OEA to help you, the way your body was intended, regulate how much you're eating. So yeah, you know what? Enjoy uh, a couple of Nana's cookies this time of year, when maybe before you were eating a dozen of them. All right. And that's where Riduzone comes in. Give it a shot right now. They'll give you 30% off a three-month supply when you use my name, Steve, as the promo code at Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. 
Com. We're going to discuss in the overtime today the the story about the the. I'm trying to keep this straight. I hate it, okay these stories. It's man. the girl, yes, who who thinks she's a guy, yep, who doesn't understand why when women find out she's not a guy, they don't want to continue dating her, right. It, it, did I have that correct? Right. Okay. Nothing's right about it. So yes, no, maybe, sure. Because here's what we want to do. All right. Do we know? Do we have anybody lined up for that yet? Do we know? Are we working on that still? Chris's response is yes, I'm available, but do I have to? And the answer is yes. Chris Pandolfo, you have to. All right. So I, I told Todd specifically, I, and I almost never tell him, hey, get this person or you know, don't get that person. Like, I don't leave, leave that up to you. But but I made one request today. I said I, I need another millennial in her overtime. And and I and I really think you and I just need to pose a question. Why is a woman dressed as a guy? So she's trying to attract m- m- women on the basis that you're a male, right? And then when they find out you don't have a penis, therefore you're not male. Why are you surprised they're not interested? I, I I know of no other generation in all of human history that this would be a revelation to. You and I, frankly, are not qualified to have this conversation. We're, we're just not. And, and, and I don't even think we should try. I think we should just listen. Is it possible that the millennial generation is this far gone? That this is a spoiler alert? This is a breaking news story for them. All right? So we're going to let uh, our millennials educate uh, older generations who apparently were not enlightened enough to understand how this works. Uh, that's coming up in our overtime today. If you want to subscribe to Blaze TV so you don't miss that, as well as all of the other exclusive content we do every day right here at Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Great Christmas gift for the discerning patriot that you know. You get a discounted subscription right now, in fact, at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. So for, for today's opening segment in response to the montage, I want us to do some political science. I am, I'm going to teach you both from my um, experience and my um, mistakes, how to understand what transpired in these election results last night and then what not to do in reaction to them. All right. And I'm going to, and if you want to know, first of all, what not to do, don't do what I did last night. All right, and I'm and I've got way too much experience at this, so I should have known better. All right, it's just just a uh, it's a foobar by me. No other way to explain it. All right, I face planted. So last night we've got it's the first time our our oldest has has been serious enough about a guy that she wanted to bring him to dinner. Okay, so Whoa. I'm gutting him. That's going on last night. You buried the lead. Why are we talking about anything else? <laughs> so I'm gutting him. That's going on. Uh, and then um, it's a great sports night last night, right? College football playoff ranks coming out. 140 college basketball games are on. So I am not following closely last night's election results. I'm a little distracted. Plus, and you've noticed this in the last couple of years, we haven't really gotten into the weeds of a lot of the contemporary political situation. 
we just we just don't do that as much as we used to. This has become much. It's always been a show that was based on our worldview, but it's becoming a, it, it, that's more of the prime worldview is more of the prime directive of the show than ever before. So I'm I'm a little rusty, you know, um, and I see the result that Matt Bevin is going to lose. And, and oh, by the way, can I say this? You lost a statewide election by about four thousand votes. I don't think you're a terrible person because you want a recount. That's a pretty scant margin. That was the margin when I went to bed last night. I don't know what the further count is this morning, but when I went to bed last night, it was less than 4,000 votes that he lost by. I don't think it's ridiculous. You're not Stacey Abrams. Everybody keeps trying to draw this moral equivalency. You're not Stacey Abrams for asking for a recount when you lost by 4,000 votes in an election that yeah. over a million people voted in. Do you think that's a ridiculous she, assertion? She's still wandering the earth telling us yes. she's emperor of the whole universe. Yes, yes, she is. And wandering the earth is a good way of putting it, Kung Fu. Yes. All right, she's walking the earth. That's what she's doing, wandering, telling anybody who listen, I should have been, I was a contender. I won that. All right, you lost by, it's a, a million people voted. You lost by 4,000 less maybe than that. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have a recount. The, the odds that you're going to make up, even with voting irregularities, you're going to make up that kind of margin, man, are slim and none. And Slim forgot his Ridu zone and is back at the buffet line. Okay, but if I was the governor of that state and I lost by 4,000 or fewer votes, why not? Just to make sure. I don't see a problem with it. All right. I don't think it there's you're not a sore loser or anything of that nature. If it was fourteen thousand votes or twenty-four thousand votes, then we'd be like, all right, come on, man. If, and by the way, if you think it's voter fraud that's gonna make up you're the incumbent. If you think voter fraud's gonna make up a margin like that in your own state, what the hell were you doing as governor the last four years? You know what I'm saying? If you think there's enough voter fraud in your own state that you can make up fourteen, twenty-four, thirty-four thousand votes with irregularities, then you don't deserve the job anyway. You sucked at it. You should have been cleaning up your voter rolls for the last four years, right? Okay. Yeah. But four thousand votes or less in a million plus votes cast, it's not this isn't a sore loser thing. One of the things you've often heard me say, like we bring David Yepsen in when we talk about the Iowa caucuses. Why? Because he's covering it, even though he's in a, he's in a state of semi-retirement. He is still closer to it on an, in, in terms of the details than we are covering it on a daily basis. We often, we often tell you to look at local polling. You know, look at, you know, look at when you want to know what's going on in Iowa State, I trust, or in the Iowa caucuses, I trust a University of Iowa or an Iowa State poll more than I would trust a political morning consult poll. Doesn't mean the political morning consult poll is garbage. It just means, you know, the, the closer you are to the source, the better you're going to identify who's most likely to turn out and vote. Because it doesn't matter polling people who aren't going to vote. You want to, you know, that's, that's the key to being a great pollster is to, is to master the turnout model. Otherwise, you have no way of knowing, you're, you're, you can't project an outcome when you don't know who actually is going to vote, right? You know, I go back to your state of Wisconsin, the University of Marquette, poll there is of legendary status if you want to find out what's going on in your state right okay well because there's there's usually local factors going on that we can't read and, it, it, and because we can't if you if you do this on a national level you just can't be intimately knowledgeable about everything we're not oracles we're not omniscience you know it just doesn't work that way we're human beings and so i was i, I saw this result came across my feed last night that bevan was going to lose and of course, I had the instant reaction. Hey, man, that, 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 if I'm team GOP, yikes. Here's the mistake I made. I didn't, I didn't wait. First of all, I didn't look at how, what's going on with him individually. Is there a reason something local that would have led to him losing? And then I did a little bit of research, meaning I 
I Googled Matt Bevan. You know, I, and yes, I could have done that before I tweeted, but that would actually like make me a professional and who wants to do something like that? So I Googled Matt Bevan and in just a couple of pages of results, here's what I found. And I've, I, I used to like Matt Bevan. He used to come on my show all the time when he was challenging McConnell running for governor, but I haven't spoken to him in probably, I don't know, probably four years, probably since he was running. It was the last time we spoke. So I have no idea what's been going on there. Here's what I found out. He didn't live up to his campaign promise to repeal Obamacare, but balked at it. This sounds vaguely familiar. Does this sound familiar to any of you guys? R-I-N-O. Yeah, running for office on repealing Obamacare. Then he gets in office and doesn't do it. Apparently, he ran off his lieutenant governor, who was a Tea Party favorite. So then he pissed his base off again. And then then he went after, uh, he tried to go after the pension fund. Uh, and I don't know the particulars, but apparently this is, yeah, this is, this has been an issue with corruption and largesse in Kentucky for many years. Well, now you're ticking off teacher unions. Okay. And, and a lot of those teachers, where are they going to live in suburbs? Where did Matt Bevan lose the governor's race in Kentucky last night in those suburbs? All right. So already, and then I didn't even realize this, but I guess there was a poll last year that found he was the least popular governor in the country. He had an approval rating somewhere in the thirties. I didn't know about any of that. But don't let me stop uh, tweeting to you like I'm some kind of expert, nevertheless. <laughs> All right? Then I'm like, you know what? Okay, let me not compound one error with another. How about we wait and see what the rest of the races in that state look like? And what you saw the rest of, in the rest of that state is there was no mandate for the Democrats there. Even with a governor with all of those issues and a paltry approval rating, they won that race by less than 4,000 votes. And everywhere else across the state, they got destroyed. Because, I, I mean, I see the governor loses. Folks, in, in the last five presidential elections, the Democratic Party has averaged less than 40% of the popular vote in Kentucky. 39.6%. And then you see the governor loses and you're like, holy crap, that's a message sender, right? Well, then you look at the rest of the results and you can see his is an outlier. And then you got to figure out, well, why is it an outlier? And it's an outlier largely of his own making. I'm, you know, I didn't keep up with Matt Bevin as governor as much as I did Matt Bevin as candidate. And it appears he was a disappointment. So there's, there's nothing to glean from the Kentucky race other than one of my Ten Commandments of political warfare is what? Never betray your base unless they're morally wrong. And in a couple of instances, Matt Bevin betrayed his base. And so therefore, we went after the pension fund, and now his own base is divided. And when he went after the pension fund, he starts rattling the cages of the teacher union folks and the government sector employee union folks. He doesn't have a united base like, say, a Scott Walker did in Wisconsin when he did this. He doesn't have a united base holding, you know, standing next to he, him he, to hold the mobocracy back. He tried to fight a land battle in Russia yes. in the winter. Napoleon said never fight a two-front war, and he tried to fight one, and he lost. So... There's nothing to glean from what happened in Kentucky. To me, the political science lesson. So lesson number one, kids be better than me. That's lesson number one. All right. I made an amateur mistake. I should have known better. All right. And it's, it's also the kind of mistake I'm a victim to. If we're all victims nowadays, if they never invented Twitter, I would not have made this mistake last night because I would have thought this, but had no vehicle by which to throw it out there and show how dumb I am to the people. <laughs> curse my thumbs yes. so just as Aaron is compelled by Rolling Stone to import these crummy lists Twitter captured me 
You're a victim. And you're the yes, victim. Yes, and forced me to show you that I am guilty of ready, fire, aim like the worst of you as well. All right, so I'm a victim. All right, yes, thank you. Um, now, let me give you a real political science lesson. Virginia. Yeah, what the hell, man? So I have questions. Un- until 2008, the Democrats had won the presidential election in Virginia one time since Reconstruction, and it was LBJ's landslide, historic one in 1964. This was a reliable Republican state until 2008. In the George W. Bush years, it became a swing state. Why? Well, what did George W. Bush do more than any president in American history until the presidents that followed him? What did he do? He grew government. The more you grow government, you're going to need more government what? Workers. Workers. Getting more government workers. Are the government workers living in, in, in living under Marion Barry uh, um, jurisdiction in between uh, cocaine snorts? Is that where they live? No. No, they, they don't live there. That's why the traffic there sucks. They don't live there. <laughs> right? They're not governed by the likes of Marion Barry there in D.C. All right? No, they're living in northern Virginia in the suburbs. That's where they're living. Okay? And so this begins to become a massive swing state in the George W. Bush years with the mass increase of government. And now Republicans have to contest Virginia, and in previous years, they didn't have to. Folks, put it this way, Bill Clinton never won Virginia. He won two fairly decisive presidential elections. He didn't win Virginia either time. Think about that. That's how quickly this changed. Now my fingers are cold. There we go. Same thing in California. So prior to the Reagan amnesty of 1986... Republicans won seven of the, la- of the previous nine presidential elections in California. After the Reagan amnesty in 1986 registered all these new Democratic voters, George H.W. Bush barely beat Michael Dukakis there in 1988, what was an otherwise landslide win for him. And then since then, Republicans haven't, have not only not won the state, most of the time they're not even competitive, meaning their nominee doesn't even get 40% statewide. One major policy betrayal of Republicans changed the electoral map in California. Same thing happened here in Virginia. Karl Rove and George W. Bush decide they're going to do LBJ's guns and butter. We're going to fight endless wars in countries no one likes and can't remember where they're at on a map while growing the welfare state at the same time. And so instead of the great society, we got no child left behind and... Uh, Medicare Part D. Medicare Part D was the biggest welfare state program in American history until Obamacare. So more government means more government workers. More government workers means more Democratic voters every time it's tried. Every time it's tried. And so now you're beginning to see government grow in Virginia. Now this suddenly becomes a swing state. Barack Obama narrowly captures the state in 2008. Same thing in 2012. So the conservative base in Virginia begins to have an uprising against this and can see where the state party is going. And so what the, what the, what the conservative base in Virginia did is heading into the, they always have these off-year gubernatorial elections in Virginia and you're term limited. You can't serve more than one term. Oh, I am very familiar with this era of Virginia politics. I was very involved in it and covered it. All right. Ken Cuccinelli on my show tons of times when he was involved in this as well. 
And so what happened is the lieutenant governor, the previous Republican governor, went to prison. Now, it appears that he was railroaded because eventually he was released. But he was also a terrible governor. He signed into law, broke his pledge, signing into law the largest tax increase in Virginia state history. So the, sa the stage is now set. You've, all, you've always heard me say for years, bad Republicans always lead to what, gentlemen? Worst Democrats. Worst Democrats every time. So the conservative base realizes that their party is essentially Karl Rove and his pukes are running the Virginia Republican Party right now. And they've got, they've got their next guy lined up. I think his name was Dewhurst, was the lieutenant governor. Total puke. Absolute rhino puke. And so what the, what the Virginia conservative base did is they got rid of the primary and decided we're going to name our gubernatorial nominee at the convention. Because who dominates conventions? Activists do. And that's how Ken Cuccinelli got to be nominated governor of Virginia over the party establishment's wishes. Even though he'd already won a statewide election as attorney general. So he, so, because the argument was Cuccinelli's not, not electable. Even though he just won a statewide election as attorney general, not electable. Does that make sense to you? No, because it it's a lie. It's just a lie. What they mean is we can't have an actual conservative get elected. That's what it means. All right, so... The, part, the, the, the conservatives decide we're going to vote at the convention to get rid of the primary so Karl Rove can't dump $50 million of TV ads and, and, and this pukey LG wins the nomination in, on name ID. We're not doing that. We're going to decide who our nominee is. We're going to do it at the convention next year. Cuccinelli wins resoundingly. The lieutenant governor, of course, realizing that it's a big tent and the, and the candidate who's my 80% friend isn't my 20% enemy and we don't want the Democrats win, graciously united behind Ken Cuccinelli, Right? You know, like, like we're lectured to all the time when they beat us in primaries, right? Right. Right. That's not what happened. He refused to endorse Cuccinelli in the race. In fact, I wrote all about this in Rules for Patriots. That book was published five years ago in 2014. What happened in Virginia is one of the final test case straws that caused me to write this book as, as, as I was up close watching this, covering it, involved in it. So I, I saw this happen up close and personal. So I know this story intimately. It's one of the inspirations that caused me to write. What I'm explaining to you is why I wrote Rules for Patriots five years ago. All right. Inspiration. You have the wrong, yes. I respond well to negative reinforcement. <laughs> what can I say? Flog me. Um, so the, the, the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia refuses to endorse Cuccinelli. And not only that, his top operative goes to work for Terry McAuliffe. So the state party apparatus is actually working against Cuccinelli. Now, Cuccinelli ran a terrible campaign for several months, sounding like nothing like what he sounded like when he come on my show during the primary season, sounding like a GOP puke, frankly. And he was way behind, had no chance. And he's, he's got a party divided. The party establishment is working against him. They're trying to sabotage him. They're helping McAuliffe out in the open. And then like the last month of the campaign, Cuccinelli made his entire race about Obamacare's bad and has to go. And he damn near pulled off a massive upset on election night. In fact, he was leading all of election night. I know because I was texting with his people in his campaign office on election night. I was live on the air for Salem. He was leading that entire race until the final like 2% of precincts reported. 
and 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 uh, you know, inner city, the inner cities came in overwhelmingly for McAuliffe, and McAuliffe ended up winning a race. The poll said he was going to win comfortably. He ended up winning by like three points. And oh, by the way, Ken Cuccinelli outperformed Mitt Romney in the 2012 presidential election in Virginia. And how did he do it? At the last month, he ran a conservative campaign and offered a true contrast to Terry McAuliffe. And he went from a candidacy that everybody thought was dead to nearly pulling off an upset on election night. So this, this set the stage then for the party. This is where the party establishment, of course, looked at this and said, you know, we're not going to win statewide if our base is disassociated like this. And, you know, we've got uh, to come together with our base and, and come up with some balls on some issues. Is that what they did? You think Hell that's what they did? No. Hell no. No. No, hell no. You got they did what the media did uh, yes. after the 2016. You guys are wrong. Yeah, they, yes, that's exactly right. They, instead, they came up with candidates that made that make Mitt Romney uh, look like Barry Goldwater. Okay? That's what they did. Like a chicken sandwich eater? Yes. Yeah. I all hate right? this all so much. And so, because they hate you. And I hate them. Because they hate you far more than Democrats. I can promise you Mitch McConnell is gleeful. Matt Bevin's not the governor today. I promise you. All right? I'll bet all my future earnings, however meager they may be, that that is true. He is celebrating that today. And, because, and they would rather lose statewide to the Terry McAuliffe's of the world than have candidates like Ken Cuccinelli win. And they demonstrated that by continuing with milquetoast pablum candidates losing winnable races in the several cycles since. So what does this mean going forward? I'm going to explain this to you, and it is vastly, vitally important that you understand this point. Because this is a gaze into your future post-Trump, I promise. Next. So let's reset this. Because what what has transpired in Virginia, similar to California, you know, just just like people like Daniel Horowitz and I told you for years that if you do a nationwide amnesty, you're going to turn America into California. And every single issue that you care about will be nationally imperiled from that point forward. And that's why if, if, you let, if you let the GOP get away with doing amnesty for Anya, there, there really is no point in voting Republican anymore. It is over nationwide. You'll turn Texas into California eventually. And if you, know, you give the Democrats California, Texas, New York, you got to roll snake eyes on the electoral map from there. Good luck with that. That's, that's well over half the electoral college vote to win in, in just that smattering of states right there. And I know some of you will ask questions like, well, they have to know this, so why do they do it? Because they, they would like to win, but not for the reasons you care about winning. Not, this is not about some kind of cultural existential crisis or defense. In fact, Ditch McConnell's life is better if they're in the minority. He gets all the same money from his donors, and then he gets to raise money from people like you about how bad the Democrats are. If you don't think Ditch McConnell, Cocaine Mitch, is not gleeful, Matt Bevin lost last night. You just don't understand why you get betrayed by Republicans over and over again. So let me explain to you why. Because what happened in Virginia last night is the cementing of what the Republican Party 
is really about. So you have a situation where the Republican president, George W. Bush, decides to grow government at a record pace. And one of the reasons why was a political calculation that he and Karl Rove made. And Karl Rove admitted this. They made the political calculation that if it was going to require a long set of grueling conflicts to push back against Islamic radicalism, they could not afford to fight politically a two-front war. That's why, remember, after 2004, he was going to reform Social Security. You guys remember this? Do you remember this, Todd? Yes. And, that, and then the minute he got any pushback, that ended. They realized, So what they essentially did is we're going to bribe people with government benefits in order to keep the country in line behind the war cause. That's why we never mobilized a home front. We were told, unlike previous generations who faced an existential American global conflict, who were told, hey, we need your involvement, get ready to sacrifice and be a part of the team, we were told to go to Walmart and shop even more. And the government gave us even more benefits. So we began a massive spending upheaval. Keep in mind, when Bill Clinton left office with the Republican Congress in 2000, they, he, they, they left office with a balanced budget. Now, the deficit wasn't paid off, but that year's fiscal year was balanced. They operated in the black. That was all gone by the, by, by the time we get to George W. Bush's second term. So we're doing guns and butter, LBJ style. And how'd that work out for him, by the way? He went from 1964 winning the greatest election route in American history up until that point to having to, to, having to, to not run for re-election because he was so unpopular. He had riled up the Republican base with all of the government and he had betrayed his own base with all of the war. So seemingly, I have no idea why Karl Rove and George W. Bush thought this was the pattern to emulate, but they did. And it's why George W. Bush left office with the worst approval rating in the history of Gallup for anybody not named Richard Nixon being impeached, 26%. Maybe it was 28. So this now sets the stage. We've now grown massive growth of government by the Republicans. So that means more government workers. And they're not, they're not living in Mary and Barry's hood. They're moving to Virginia where it's nice. And the mayor's not doing smack out in the open. Okay. So now this becomes a swing state. Barack Obama narrowly wins it a couple of times. The Republican governor, he's thought to be a crook and corrupt. He eventually, I think, was cleared of those charges, if I remember right. But he still signed the largest tax increase in the state's history into law. And whenever you go against your base like that, ask George H.W. Bush's second term that never happened, read my lips, I'm going to then sign the biggest tax increase of all time after telling you I'm not. Whenever you betray your base like that, you create dissension within a party. And was it, uh, am I thinking, of, was it Bob Donnell? Was that his name, the Virginia governor at that time? He's the one that signed in to law that largest tax increase ever. So now there's dissension. We have the Tea Party uprising is occurring across the country. And then out of this, you have a lieutenant governor that is a complete and total rhino puke that makes Mitt Romney look, the, like, the, look like the Marlboro man. So the state's conservatives say, hell no, we're not doing this. They voted the convention that the next year their governor 
nominee is going to be decided at the convention. We're not letting car American crossroads come in here and Mitch McConnell's pukes and dump 50 million into our, into our television markets and buy the nomination on name ID. So we get stuck with another guy that's going to raise taxes. We're not doing that. And here we have Ken Cuccinelli, who's one statewide as, as the attorney general. Remember when Mike Huckabee had all the Republican candidates on during the 2012 presidential nomination cycle to discuss their plans to get rid of Obamacare? And, and, and the person everybody was the most impressed with was this largely young, unknown attorney general from Virginia who was asking the questions. Do you remember this? Sure. That young attorney general was Ken Cuccinelli. And so the conservative activists are like, he's already won statewide. We're not taking a flyer on somebody because we, we, they're their purity on issues. But this guy's with us on the issues and he knows how to win statewide. Perfect. We're going with him. And they rallied to him. He wins convincingly at the convention. The lieutenant governor of Virginia doesn't unify the party. You know, like you're lectured to do all the time. Like in Kentucky right now, liber- the libertarians are being lectured. Hey, the 30,000 of you that voted for the libertarian party candidate, congrats, you're the reason there's a Democratic governor. No, you're not. Don't let them lie to you. You're not. No political party is entitled to your vote. You know, if you wanted those 30,000 folks that are the, that you should be the most likely vote for them. If you if you've got that much slippage, that's on you as a Republican Party. Come up with a message and some policies that would get those people to vote for you. You're why you lost. You let that seepage happen. That happened on your watch. That's a you problem. But that's the lecture, right? And you know, the Democrats, yeah, and you have to unify, right, every time. Well, you know, you just, you're just throwing your vote away to a third party, right? We've, we've had all these shows, lectures. We've done this a million times. Except, you ever, you ever notice when the shoe's on the other foot, it doesn't work that way. You ever notice that? Well, Virginia's a key, a key example of that. It didn't work that way. The Lieutenant Governor of Virginia didn't unify behind Cuccinelli, refused to endorse him. His top political operative went to work. All this is documented in Rules for Patriots. All of it documented, footnoted. I'm not making any of this up. His top political operative went to work for Terry McAuliffe. The Clinton grifter. An absolute grifter is Terry McAuliffe, a crook. He went to work for him to help him win. Now, Cuccinelli's not a complete victim here. He ran a wretched campaign after getting the nomination. He made the classic mistake a lot of conservatives make, (laughs) getting defensive. I got to water it down. No, you don't. Similar when you're fishtailing on a winter road, your instinct when you start fishtailing is to turn into the fishtail, right? What happens if you turn into the fishtail? You spin yes. out, right? You turn, or, I'm sorry, is to turn away from the fishtail, my bad. You want to turn into the, you want to go in the direction against your instincts. If you try to go the other way, if you try to go the other way, because, and to compensate, you spin out. No, go against your instinct. And so he looked, as, he looked like a weak candidate most of the summer and fall. And he was probably listening to the same consultants who were previously willing to, you know, trying to get the Rhino state or LG the nomination at the same time. Finally, with the polls showing showing he's going to lose badly, in the last few weeks of the campaign, Cuccinelli went for broke and made went right and made his entire candidacy rationale Obamacare's defeat. And on election night, he stunned everybody by nearly pulling this off. He was leading the returns all night long until the final 2% of predominantly black precincts came in. In fact, Terry McAuliffe required, had to get a higher black vote turnout than Barack Obama got to defeat Romney in Virginia in 2012. He needed a higher black percentage of the vote 
to win the gubernatorial race in 2013 because Cuccinelli outperformed Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was running pro-choice ads in Virginia, like he did in Iowa, where women would come on the screen in the final days before the election and say, Mitt Romney is not for banning abortions in these cases. This is not true. He's running pro-choice ads. And in every, he ran those ads in five states, and he lost every one of those damn five states where he ran those ads. It never works for these guys to, to go get defensive, and it just never works. If it would work, I would tell you, I've told you plenty of uncomfortable truths over the years, have I not? You've said here for several of them, right? Of course. If I told you that Republicans running to the middle works, that, that you know, I'd have told you that, that and told you that's a reason why you got to get out of this party because your strategy of staying in it won't work. But it, it actually doesn't work for these guys. It just doesn't. That's the funny thing about this. Everybody's complained about you for years about being the Puritan. You're actually the pragmatic yes. one in all yeah, this. Yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you. like to try do, winning. Do, yeah, just do what works. Yeah. I mean, the data says that this doesn't work. History, the trend says this doesn't work. So we get to an election night. Ken Cuccinelli loses. Stunningly closer than anybody anticipated. Do you think... Do you think if, if he had a unified party, he might have made up those three points that he lost? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that. So now the dissension within the state party is even deeper. And the Republican establishment now wants to get even milquetoastier. The conservatives are like, hey, our guy should almost won a race you thought he had no chance to win. And how did he almost win? By doing what we just said. The next showdown is Eric Cantor. He's the House Majority Leader. Now, this was the primary cycle that I was heavily involved in. Several races. Trying to, this is where Matt Bevin took on Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. This was 2014. And there was one guy that we thought had no chance to win. That was Dave Bratt taking on Eric Cantor. So none of us helped him. Nobody helped him. Nobody paid attention to it. In fact, there was actually two good conservatives running against Eric Cantor in Virginia in that race. One of them was gracious enough to get out of the way. Like, this never happens either, right? The conservatives always stay into the end and split the vote and the, and the, and the squish wins, right? We've ha- Wash, rinse, repeat. How many times do you know that show sure. over the years? Tale right? as old as time. What yeah. happened is, is the other conservative in that race was gracious enough to get out. And he didn't like get out like the week before the election. He got out months before. Or maybe it was a couple of months before. Well, enough time for all of the insurgent vote to consolidate behind one candidate. And so now Dave Bratt gets Eric Cantor one-on-one. But again, you just don't beat a House majority leader in a primary, guys. So we didn't pay attention. We put our money and our attention in Bevin against McConnell and, and lots of other races around the country that we lost all of them trying to take out the GOP establishment. We lost them all. The one we won is the one we thought we had no chance to win. And Dave Bratt made immigration the centerpiece issue of that campaign. Because Eric Cantor was a club, was a, was a um, chamber of commerce puke on that. And he pulls off a massive upset. And then the, the party, the, it's one of the biggest upsets in a primary in this history of the Republican Party. And the, the, the Republican media... Um, you know, like Fox News and, and, the, and the party establishment tried to spin it that, well, it's an open primary and a bunch of Democrats came over and voted for Bratt to embarrass the GOP, except people like me actually went and looked at the precinct by precinct election returns. I, I wrote about this in Rules for Patriots as well. And you know what you found is that in the reddest precincts, Bratt did the best. 
and turnout was up 25% from the previous contested primary. That doesn't follow the narrative either. You're being lied to because they hate you. They just want your vote and for you to shut up. So this is what set the stage. Now we have Republicans in Washington, right? So we have a massive, one of the largest Senate swing elections of all time. Republicans have a nine Senate seat swing to take over the Senate in 2014. Did they keep any of their promises to fight back against Obama's even bigger government policies than George W. Bush? Any of them. Not a damn one. So government continues to grow. And as government continues to grow, Todd, one more time. When government continues to grow, we get more, we get more government what? I hate this show. Workers, yes. And we get more government workers, we get more democratic what, Aaron? Votes. Votes. And again, they're not living in Mary and Barry's hood. Or where are they moving to? Virginia, Virginia, where it's, nice. where it's nice. And now the demographics are completely changing. And I can promise you right now, the Republican Party in Virginia believes it's got to move even further left. I can promise you this. Because that's, the, you know why they believe that? Because it's the direction they wanted to go anyway. Because they're progressives too. Just a different type. Maybe more of a Teddy Roosevelt type, not an end you, not an end your civilization type. But these aren't limited government people. And as sure as hell aren't in this to fight a culture war, folks. That's why Governor Blackface is still governor right now. They sure as hell aren't in it for that. So what does this mean? The national GOP is heavily influential in the Virginia Republican Party because of proximity. It only makes sense. When Donald Trump leaves, this is the game plan they are going to follow. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Because the first thing the Republican Party is, the Republican Party would rather lose to Democrats than lose control to people like you. You're the real problem. You make them talk about issues like trans athletes they don't want to have to talk about and don't care about. And you don't permit them to just rob, pillage, and plunder in broad daylight the taxpayer for their vested interest in the way that the Democrats do. You're in the way. You're the Jiminy Cricket conscience on their shoulder. And if it requires winning, doing the stuff you like, they'd rather lose. That's why Mitt Romney never ate the chicken sandwich. It's not that he didn't want to beat Obama. He wanted to beat Obama without owing you a damn thing. Put you in your place. You belong at the kitty table now. That's their hatred of Donald Trump. Donald Trump could be every bit the Cretan he currently is. And if he was a creature of their faction, they'd love him. And they'd be out there apologizing for him constantly. It's that he's a Cretan, but he is a creature of your faction. That's the issue. They hate him because they hate you. And three seconds after he leaves, they're going to go right back to the same Virginia Surrender Caucus game plan. I promise you. Because that's who this party is. It's who this party was pre-Reagan. It's who it's largely been post-Reagan. And it, it's what it will be when, when they stop selling MAGA hats. It's why, and this ties in what I told you a week and a half ago. If you really believe that the reason they're not going to vote to remove him in a Republican Senate is because of a fear of backlash from you, as the great prophets at Judas Priest once sang, you got another thing coming.
It won't be those reasons. They hate you. Mitch McConnell is celebrating Matt Bevin's loss today. And they'll be, they will lose, they'll lose, they'll lose in Virginia more. If, if they, if, 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 if you tell them the path to victory is confronting mental illness elected to the state legislature as a delegate, nope, there they'd is. rather lose. Yeah. They'll lose instead. I promise you this is true. Continue to lie to yourself all you want. I did it too. I get it. I did it for many years. I did it as well until I finally couldn't lie to myself anymore. And I wrote rules for patriots as catharsis for me. And hope for you to learn from the mistakes that the previous generation of activists made, either willfully or blindly. This is their plan. It's why it's why Martha McSally was shoved down your throat in Arizona. It's why the next candidate they're going to nominate there is going to lose too. He's, he's even worse. It's why. This is their plan. They hate you. And if the path to winning is a real conflict on a cultural level, existential level with Democrats, they'd rather lose. They're never giving you your way. If you want the Republican Party to stand for something, you're going to have to make that happen. Relying on them is, is a loss leader. And greetings. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast i'm steve dace buy seller hold coming up here in a matter of moments brought to you by our friends over real estate agents i trust.com if you want to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates as well as an economy that is still doing fairly well particularly when it comes to consumer spending now is a good time especially with winter coming which means buyers and sellers each desperate uh, to make that to, to make that sale or make that move before winter comes or that sale before the market, the winter market slows down. Great timing to get in there uh, with either competitive offers uh, or to find buyers that might be uh, willing to pay more of a premium. Just be, you know, be forewarned. Not every agent, you know, is honest. You want to make sure you go with an agent that you can trust, someone whose track record of success has been fully vetted, understanding of marketing plans and the market that they are operating within has been fully vetted. Somebody whose um, willingness to practice professional courtesy has been fully vetted as well. If they don't check all three of those boxes, then they don't get listed at realestateagentsitrust.com. So if you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust, make sure you go here, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. And now it's time for Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is when our producer Aaron throws at Todd and I a series of predictions, propositions, statements, etc. Todd, you and I decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Maybe if you guys are all lucky, you'll have a good reason why. And then once per show, we are permitted to hold, but if it's for any reason other than this is even beneath our own mediocre intellect. You will be tarred and feathered, perhaps even scourged, and it will be online. Aaron. We'll start with Constantinos Rodidis, who sponsors but does not fund this segment. He says the 49ers will have their first loss of the season this week against the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks barely won last week against a team like Tampa Bay. I can buy that. Yeah. I can buy that. You know, if I'm a, if I'm a 49er fan, here, here's what I think. I think the 49ers usually win that game 
in a dominant way, which in today's NFL is a couple touchdowns or so, or they lose. Because if I am a 49ers fan, here's the situation you don't want. Particularly with that top linebacker, Quan Alexander on IR. Um, so that's one of your big in-space defender guys. You don't want Russell Wilson with the ball in his hands on a last drive, out there running around, turning the thing into a in, in, in the street ball because that's what he does best. So I think that's absolutely plausible. So I'll buy it. I will, I will sell. Uh, I think uh, Russell Wilson has truly been magical and is likely the front runner for the MVP. So obviously Steve's analysis uh, is on where's the game or did it actually say in the tweet? Didn't say in the tweet, but I believe it is in Seattle. Uh, but I'll, uh, yeah, I'm just going to just err on the other side just for fun and, and say the 49ers are, in fact, the real deal and not a fluke. All righty, moving on. We'll go to John Hensley, who says, at some point before the Iowa caucus, Pete Buttigieg will be considered the national front runner because Democrats will determine that Warren's plans are too unrealistic and rattle. Ra- radical, I should say. S- sell. He will not be the front runner before the Iowa caucus. It's the t- it's a timing issue for me. Yeah, I I will sell too because I I don't think he's going to win Iowa. Um, I don't think he'll ever be the national front runner. So I just reject the whole premise of that proposition. So sell. Aaron Reali says, while there are maybe better actors in any specific category, drama, comedy, etc., the fact that Robin Williams was excellent in both comedy and drama. And even in movies where he had to pull off both styles convincingly, it proves that he is the best actor of all time. You want to take this one first? This guy has many bad Star Wars takes, so it's not surprising that um, he's jumping the shark. on. And I love Robin Williams, and I think he's right generally that comedians often turn into great actors because comedy is about getting at some of... Uh, these, you know, mining deep down uh, on what the truth is in a way that others are afraid to, but of all time, no. So I don't think Robin Williams is the greatest actor of all time, okay? But I actually think this is a pretty smart take because I I can see what he is getting at. And it's one of those things where I like, if, if if it makes sense, even if I don't agree with it, but if it makes sense, I like contrarian takes like this that make us rethink our own, um, uh, you know, uh, our own thought bubbles. And it does make when you it, it's especially when it's the kind of contrarian take that when you first hear you're like, no way. And then when you start playing around with it a little bit, you're like, well, maybe there's more merit to that than I thought. At the very least, I, I, I think you could make an argument he's among the most underrated actors of all time yeah, because of sure. everything you just said. Yeah. Okay? In, in, that, in that note, Aaron. And it's something that is, it's, it's also a take that I'm like, you know, it, I, I can't believe I never even thought to even look there. So I like the take. I, I don't necessarily agree with the conclusion, but I like the premise and the spirit of it. And I think it's, I think it's excellent contrarianism, so I'm going to buy... Uh, as 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 a nod to some quality critical thinking there. So don't you think, though, by this logic, that that would mean that Owen Wilson is the best actor of all time? 
Because he's been in multiple genres and pulled it off okay. I mean, he's been in military films before. He's been in comedies. He's been in dramas. I I was hoping by my silence you were going to stop talking. See, because nobody believes that. And and pursuing this tape. (laughs) And you were going to realize... See, I don't, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying by this logic, though. You, you, part of your logic is that he was okay in a lot of these roles. Well, I, Robin Williams was legitimately great in these kinds of roles. Legitimately well, that's, great. That's subjective. I'm going to move on now. That, y- y- yes, yes. G yeah. Chum says Chewbacca, C-3PO, and Lando will die, as well as the Millennium Falcon destroyed in Episode Nine, completing Disney's de- destruction of Lucas's Star Wars. Uh, it's a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> What's that thing from uh, Game of Thrones, Todd? The uh, the one where everybody dies. The Red the wedding, wedding episode. Oh, the, yeah. Yes, yeah. the Red Wedding. No, it can't. No, th- otherwise. That can't so basically, happen. you thought it should have been called Star Wars: Four Funerals and a Wedding, and then it ends with Kylo with. Uh, with, with Kylo and uh, uh, Ray's uh, uh, wedding, all right? As we just line up the funerals, no, they're not going to do that. There will be a heroic death, uh, obviously. Someone's going to, someone will get their heroic death, but no, you're not going to see that level of mass carnage. That's not going to happen. It, it, come on, guys, it's Disney, all right? No, it's not happening. God, <laughs> I don't think people can handle Chewbacca gets his throat yes. slit. <laughs> All right, some some uh, some beast eats uh, three three PO's eyes out. All right, Lando drunk drives the Millennium Falcon into an asteroid. Oh, no, and that's just the first thirty minutes, guys. Come on, uh, Come on. Honey X Pie says our country will end up in a civil war before the GOP decides to represent us or conservative Bye. principles. Bye. I think you're in Easy a cold buy. one yeah. right now. You're in a. You're, meaning you're in a legislative propaganda one right now. And the fact that, you know, politics, go back to my book, Rules for Patriots. What is politics? Really, what is it in America? It, it, in its form, its essence may be faith and ethics and action. Okay, meaning how you apply your core values to policy and, and who represents you. But the form that it takes is civil war. It's, it is the method your founding fathers gave you for conducting civil war in the country so that we would not have banana republics and tanks going down the street and which general's in charge tonight. And okay, that this is the form they gave us so that we would settle these things at the ballot box. And when you only have one side fighting it and the other won't fight it at that level. And I'm sorry, Trump is not fighting it at that level. You voted for him thinking that he would, but he has not. He continues to surrender. He's surrendering. There's, there's just, I'm reading the story during the break. He's surrendering to the judges again today. Conservatism is President Lincoln never, ever, ever, ever finding U.S. Grant. Yes. We just keep hiring McClellan over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the reasons he's being pestered by Mitt Romney is he endorsed him in that primary. So... All one of the way, reasons they're in position to just go right back to being the pukes they were before he got elected, before you elected him, is he hasn't used the power of his office to clean out the trash. There's too many of these people still around. He's not lined up all, all kinds of MAGA people to challenge these people in primaries. He hasn't done it. He's expended no political capital there at all. 
so his only threat to the system is, is the platform that he uses for your views. Now, that's a pretty big threat, and, and it goes to show what they've been willing to do with Russian collusion and Kavanaugh and everything else. It goes to show how threatened they are by that bully pulpit. But, but beyond we, the words, in terms of personnel and policy, he has not been a threat to them. And so if you have one side fighting this way and the other side doesn't, and then you tell the other side that since, the, since there will be no real pushback, really, they don't care about getting ripped on Twitter by the president the way Republicans care about getting ripped on Rachel Maddow tonight. They don't care. So since there's no real pushback, you then tell the other side they can now push for things they would have never even dreamed was possible in a, in a normal give-and-take environment where defeat is, 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 is a constant concern. And so, therefore, you might be pulling back on things. That's what I was telling Aaron before the show. There's that re, uh, new polling out state by state about issues. Mm-hmm. And at the top of all of them is Bernie Sanders. They're mm-hmm. saying that out loud now. You ha- there is nobody that represents you, really. I mean, t- last week, we had to drag, those of us, conservative media, we had to drag the governor of Texas kicking and screaming into that case where they were going to castrate that boy. Right. All right? Let's just, let's just, there's too much at stake for our future and our kids to, can, I'm, to just lie to each other with polite niceties that aren't true. So I'm just not going to do it. So one side, one side understands politics is how we conduct civil war in America. The other side refuses to understand that. It's not that they don't, they don't want to. That's the difference. They refuse to understand it. They're not in this for the same reasons you are. Most Democrats go to office to do things. Most Republicans go to office to be something. Totally different. And so one side is fighting this way. The other side's not. And then when the, other, when, the, when the side that's fighting this way realizes that there's no real pushback, this is why Democrats are often defeated by their own overreach. And like, so example, when you have an opportunity, like in, in Tucson, Arizona last night, where even in a liberal college town where the University of Arizona is at, the Democratic Party's like, we're just, let's just put sanctuary cities. We, yeah, we're going to be one. And people are like, uh, no, we're not. And that, they didn't just lose. They got 70% of the vote last night. It resoundingly lost. So when you give people an opportunity where they don't have to go through the Republican Party, You've tried to get a tax reform package in the Texas legislature the last few years, been unable to do it. Finally, the people just said, we're going to make the state income tax unconstitutional in Texas. It's against, you can't ever do it like, it's not against the law, you can't ever do it. You have to amend the Constitution to do it, ever. Good luck with that. When the people are given an opportunity where they can, where they can push back on Democrats without having to go through the Republican Party, they do it pretty consistently, actually. That's why Democrats lose because of their own overreach. They mistake the Republicans' unwillingness to stand up to them For as meaning this is where we, the country wants this now. Yeah. And that's why the Republicans are backing down because they see that the country wants abortion of children after they're born. They see this. They don't. Okay. And so the two constants of American politics are Republicans' preemptive surrender and then the Democrats getting, generating their own backlash by overreacting to that preemptive surrender. 
You're in a party that doesn't agree with your values or wants you. They just don't. And we're in this no man's land right now. You're like my Detroit Lions. Six and 10 to 10 and six every year for 20 years. Well, at least the year they went 0 and 16. And what happened the year they went 0 and 16? We got Matt Stafford and Dominic Sue in the next two drafts. And then two years later, they're 11 and 5 and in the playoffs. But ever since then, they have been stuck and mired in this mediocrity. They, they, they can't get enough under the cap to make that one trade that puts them over the top. They can't tank enough of a season to get that top five pick that gets them over the top. And so they're either one of the last two or three teams out of the playoffs or the last team in. And they can't get out of this rut. That's what you're in as a conservative in the Republican Party. You cannot afford for Republicans to lose because of what Democrats will do if you permit it. And you can't afford for the Republicans to win for what the Republicans won't do if they do. You're screwed. I don't know how else to put it. There's no way out of this. I don't know. I wish I knew of a way out. I've tried to conjure up ways. I don't know of a way. And, and then we start arguing with each other. Because one, of you, one group of you says, we have to vote Republican, otherwise look what the Democrats will do. Is there a lot of truth to that? Is no, there a well, lot of truth to that? I, I get, yes, yes. Of course, there's this mustard okay. seed in there. And, yes. And, yes. And then there's more than a mustard seed. We know what the Democrats will do. On the other hand, when another group of you says, I'm never voting for these uh, jack wagons ever again because they'll turn the gun on me. Is there, a lot, is there enough truth for that? Yeah, well, Hell yeah, there is. Well, what do you do when you're going to get largely the same result whether you participate or don't? What do you do? I, I don't know what you should do. That's my point. All these seeds... Cancel Sunday they ticket. Make, they, <laughs> they all lead to rotten fruit. That's what I did. I, By the way, that's what Aaron's referencing. I finally said I cannot justify the Lions making me pay 350 bucks for the Sunday ticket this year, so I canceled it. And I went out and bought the NFL Red Zone channel for like 50 bucks a month, and I barely watch the games now. I finally just realized I just can't justify this anymore. But this is, this is what it is to be a conservative in the Republican Party. The stuff that we always, you know, the stuff that the Republican hacks warned us Democrats would do, because they were making these arguments to people like you and me 10, 15 years ago, right? Yeah. And this, but the stuff that they warned us Democrats were going to do 10 or 15 years ago, Democrats didn't have the balls to do. They're just doing it all out in the open now. So you know that's what's going to happen. You know it. Pete Buttigieg is out there saying he's going to bring Christianity back to the White House, guys. You know it. You know it. Elizabeth Warren, like she can't even be bothered by, you know, millions of people losing their jobs and $52 trillion in debt. She can't be bothered with it. Governor Blackface can't be bothered with that. Castrating kids, they don't care. They're applauding it. On the other hand, tell me. Tell me who in the Republican Party, and it's a really short list, who's really a threat to any of the things I just mentioned? If you gave them the power, who would really be a threat to any of the things I just mentioned on any level? Really. And then think, think ahead to 2024. After Trump's gone. Tell me. And think of the arguments. We're having discussions right now. If, if we'd have gone back in 2016 and said, we're going to talk about a child drag queen. We'd have looked at each other and said, what, man? I know. No way. This is the... You either- what are we going to say in 2024, guys? Uh, well, I think what we're saying right now is bad Republicans lead to transgender Democrats. Yes. And so look ahead. Like Mike Pompeo is all over our state calling every friend other than me, probably because he knows better, calling every friend I have in Iowa right now to get up to get out ahead of 2024. 
that strike you? The current Secretary of State? He strike you as the guy? No. Is that your Aragorn at the Black no. Gate? But today is not that day. Is that your guy? No. How about Mike Pence? He was surrendering on religious freedom in Indiana when the polls were with us on the damn issue. Is he going to be the guy? Is that the guy that is that the guy that sits there Braveheart? Men, is that your guy? I'm glad you're going movie analogies because I don't know how Aaron tags these uh, in the computer if he does it all. Because this whole show, I'm thinking you either die a hero, yes, or you live long yes. enough to see yourself yes. become the villain. So tell in me, the GOP. give me a Mike Lee. Hi, I'm here with Javanka, and, and we want you to know that you can have more of your money back provided you will spend it the way government permits you. If I'd have told you, if, if we had asked this list three or four, a year ago, would Mike Lee be at the, near the top of this list? All right. Hell yeah, you would. Would you put him on this list right now? No. Hell no, you wouldn't. Because you either die the hero or you're long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's why I told Chip Roy and Jason Johnson and, and Ted Cruz's brain trust when we met at that Irish pub in D.C. six years ago or five years ago when I was there to promote Rules for Patriots. And they were all like really skeptical that Ted should run this early. And I looked at him at that dinner and said, no, run now. Don't be, otherwise, he's going to be the next Rick Santorum. He'll wait too long. And they'll cut his deal. They always do. Rick Santorum cut his deal to be in leadership. And he went from the guy that used to go into that cloakroom and give him hell on our behalf to the guy that came out of the cloakroom and said, well, guys, you have to do Medicare Part D to get health savings accounts. And we have to endorse our inspector to get John Roberts. It's a really good deal. Trust me on this one. Both those deals sucked and still suck. John Roberts is the gift that keeps on taking. But I don't know what the solution is. There's no avenue to an alternative party. I don't know what to do. I, can't, I feel like I cannot just sit here and surrender the country to Michael Evanetti and Julie Swetnick. And I hate most of these people because I know them better than you. And I keep praying, Lord, is it okay for me to hate them? And I don't know. The answer I'm hearing is absolutely double down. Could be my own voice, but I'm rolling with it. These people suck. They're worse... They, they, they could walk in with two legs and still lose to the one-armed man in the ass-kicking contest because they don't want to win. They're not in this for the reasons we are. So I don't know what to do. I don't know. I wish I did, man. I feel as helpless as a lot of you do. And I, have, I talk about this every day. You can turn this off and go do something else for a few weeks and come back. I'm here every day because it's like the only thing I'm good at. I even thought, should I do something else and realize I'm really not that good at much else other than this? I'm not much else. I'm not really good at anything other than fighting a losing culture war. So here we are, noon to Eastern every day. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I wish I knew what another path was. I wish I knew. That's why when, when we had the retention election in Iowa to throw out the judges ourselves rather than waiting for the Republican governor with no balls to do anything about it. That's why when Convention of States comes to me and offers me a chance to support that, I'm looking for things that give us an opportunity to have a voice in the process aside from the Republican Party. And the reason why it seems like we're spiraling towards this kind of divorce is because the people that you elect to represent you will not defend your values. And they're sending you the signal that if I don't do it myself, you won't. And eventually what's going to happen, and I don't want this to happen, but this is human history. Eventually what's going to happen 
is if things like convention of states and other things that are giving you trying to give you a voice outside of team GOP, if they don't work, I know we know from history how this will end. You will not sit there with loaded guns at your home and just say, you're right. Drag queen my kids. I give up. You're not going to do that. You're not. You're not. There's never been a peaceable transfer of liberty and property in all of human history, ever, from one class or one subsect to another, and there never will be. Goes against our basic instincts. That's why they're trying to take your guns now, because they know it too. They know it too. It's always easier to defeat the folks fighting back with rocks than weapons. I don't want it to end like this, but it's going to. If you don't have a peaceable institution or infrastructure or operation that will use the systems and processes your founding fathers gave you to avoid us breaking down into this level of anarchy. Unfortunately, the ones that you have at your disposal will not. Will not. I mean, we sat there and followed the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, during the border crisis this year. He's tweeting about, you know, uh, nothing bills while there was nothing going on on his Twitter account at all, saying nothing about the crisis and his, his own border is being invaded. Nothing. I don't know what to tell you about that, man. I don't. I wish I knew the answer. I don't. I've tried to find it. I, I, there, I don't know that there is one. I wish I did. That's why, for me, it's revival or bust, man. That's my answer. This is... I met, When I said this show sucks, I, this is hitting me on a visceral level at a surprising rate today because this is this is not news to us, but we haven't talked about it this focused in such a focused way in a long time but i but at the every single show ultimately this is what we're talking if we're talking about how did we get to this point with transgenderism because of this with socialism with every issue because of the every issue the people you elect will not defend your values on any issue on any issue. That's why they're all in on the judges. Because then they can be pontious. We wiped our hands of it. We appointed judges. Kick it down the can in the road. Let them do it. So we don't have to handle it. That's why that's their issue. So they don't have to be the ones that fight back and do anything. Last night, Washington State. Do you think Donald Trump's going to win Washington State? Hell no. How many people in Washington State do you think Donald, Tr- think Donald Trump's a racist? Most of them. And yet... It voted down affirmative action last night. Did you see that? No. Washington State! Go grab the average person walking around Spokane. Is Donald Trump a racist? Well, of course. How'd you vote on that affirmative action thing? Uh, I voted no. I think it's total garbage. That make any sense to you? Hell no, it doesn't make any sense. But it happened. Washington State voted against affirmative action. A college town in Arizona... 7030, a liberal college town where the University of Arizona is at. Not some small private school, the damn biggest state university in the states there. And they voted 7030 against sanctuary cities. How many people in, in the college town of Tucson, Arizona, if we sent campus reform down to Tucson, Arizona, University of Arizona, think they'd have a hard time finding people who think Donald Trump's a racist? No. Think no. And yet, when they were asked directly, do you want your town to be a sanctuary? 7030 said, hell no, I don't want that. Hell no, I don't want MS-13 in my town. Hell no, I don't. What do you do? Those results, you we should be winning everything. Washington State, no on affirmative action. Washington State. 
college town, the biggest college town in Arizona, 70-30 against sanctuary cities. Why are we losing on any of these issues? We asked two liberal communities, do you want the policies, the cable news channels you watch every night support? And they both said no. And all you got from giving Republicans total control of government was a measly tax cut of $100 a pay period max. For two years, that's what you got. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't true. I, I want you to know I have done so much on and off these airwaves my whole career to change all of this. I didn't want to do this show in 2019, let alone 2018 or 2017. I wrote this book thinking this might be it. I might have to walk away. I may not be able to do this anymore. I'm, it's driving me insane. And that's why I just laid it all out in truth bombs. Didn't care about burning any bridges because I wasn't sure I was coming back over the bridge anyway. I know this is frustrating. Trust me. It's been my full-time work for the last 10 years. No one's going to be more frustrated than me. I'm sharing this with you not to discourage you, but in the hopes that maybe some of you, one of you out there will have the solution. Because if you don't understand how systemically bad the problem is, you won't look for something unique. You won't, we won't put that ingenuity to work. We'll just stay complacent. This dynamic as it currently exists is going to lead to a civil war. I believe that, sadly. Because you are not, ele- you are not electing people that will truly fight for your values. And so the other side believes they can just push and lean on you coercively with impunity and they don't care about the blowback or the repercussions. Can you ever envision a scenario where someone would rise up like Bill Clinton did in the 90s with a Democrat leadership council and say, guys, we got to be a lot more moderate than this. We're losing our damn minds. Hell no, that would never happen. Never. Instead, Team GOP will do an autopsy after 2012 and its answer is that they've got, the reason they lost is they weren't Democrat enough. Trump gets the election by doing everything that autopsy said not to do and he won anyway. So this is the most stripped bare honest I can be. Maybe some of you out there know the answer. Some of you out there now, now that you know how bad it really is, you can figure out the process by which we can get the people in Tucson, Arizona, a liberal college town voting against sanctuary cities, a liberal state like Washington state voting against affirmative action and figure out how do we get those people to unite with us? Because it's pretty clear they seem to agree with us a lot more than they're willing to admit. But Team GOP has no interest in going to places like that. Daniel Horowitz will join us next. We've got a special offer for you, our Blaze TV viewers and listeners here on the podcast as well. You know, we're living right now in a world full of political uncertainty, which we were just talking about. Uh, Financial deception fueled by overvalued stocks and bonds. This has created a massive amounts of financial bubbles, really worldwide. There's one exception to that, and that's gold and silver, which have held their value over history better than any other asset class on earth. So here is 
our amazing offer, a chance for you to get to test that right now. Uh, and, to, and for us to illustrate our commitment to helping you protect your financial future, our partners over at Swiss America have agreed they're going to virtually give you one of the most popular precious metal U.S. coins ever minted below cost, way below cost for just $18.50 each. That's less than 20 bucks while supplies last. last. That's right. You can own one of the most popular U.S. silver coins ever minted. Why is it popular? Why would a silver coin be popular? It's a decorative piece. No, I mean, it's, it's popular because it is demonstrated ROI. That's why it's popular. That's return on investment. Why don't you test that out for $18.50, less than 20 bucks right now through our friends and partners at Swiss America. Give them a call. 1-800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. If you're driving, just remember this number. 800-289-2646, an exclusive offer just for you, our Blaze TV listeners and viewers. One of the most popular U.S. silver coins ever minted, yours for less than 20 bucks, $18.50 delivered to you through Swiss America, 800-289-2646. Let's bring in our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? We're doing all right. Long night. You'd have been very proud of me. I have I have brought the woe and lamentation so far in this show, okay? And and a lot of the things that uh, you and I have been involved in off the air or talked about privately, I have been discussing in as it relates to the election results last night because here we sit where, you know, if I if I grabbed the average person in Spokane, Washington and asked him, "Do you think Donald Trump's a racist?" "Oh yeah, absolutely, he's a racist, white supremacist." And yet the state of Washington voted against affirmative action last night. Tucson, Arizona is home to the University of Arizona. It's the largest college town in the state of Arizona. Or that's the largest university in the state of Arizona. You're probably going to be find no shortage of people in, in, in a college, a liberal college town like that who think Donald Trump's a xenophobe. And yet when sanctuary cities were on the ballot, hey, do you, do you want to live with the policies that the cable news programs you watch every night promote? 70% of them last night voted, hell no, I don't want to miss 13 in my neighborhood. That ain't happening. And yet here we sit where we feel like we are losing and on the defensive. When given an opportunity, even Texas, frustrated by their legislature's lack of action on some of their issues, their people uh, voted to put, uh, to put no state income tax in the state constitution last night. So you, can, you, you, can't, you can't even run on this. You can't even do this legislatively now. It's in our Constitution. Screw you, the people said. When we give people, except in the places that are truly sold out to, um, to Marxism, you know, people that like Elizabeth Warren, except in those places when we give them an opportunity to, to vote on issues that we agree with them on outside of the Republican Party, they do it all kinds of times. And yet, we seemingly get nothing out of voting for the Republican Party. They seemingly, why, why aren't there GOP organizers in Washington state right now working on those that were voting against affirmative action? You know, there's the, the, the polling for Arizona is bad for 2020. It's one of Trump's weakest states. Why aren't they on the ground in Tucson, Arizona right now saying, hey, we're the no sanctuary city party? The polling on, on, on dudes with makeup taking away women's, women's spots on sports teams is terrible. Where is the political party that mobilizes people on? They, it's a great frustration. And, and I, you and I have been frustrated about this for years, my friend. And I don't know what the answer is. 
Steve, if you have two opponents um, in a boxing match, unless there's one that really has some sort of qualitative edge because of his weight or strength or skill, usually they're pretty evenly matched. So it's tough to win, and you can't afford to miss an opportunity to strike because you're going to get hit. And you can't just say, "Hey, there's an opening." You know, I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna take it. Um, when you when when Democrats see something about Republicans that they perceive as radical, out of touch with the average person, um, corrupt, something that they could exploit, accentuate, or lie about, they will take it, grab it, and shove it down everyone's throats and make sure there is saturation level understanding among a majority of people that this is what Republicans want to do to you. Hmm. Republicans are presented with these opportunities every day. We talk about this. Um, the Senate, you know, Mitch McConnell says, well, we don't control the House, or so what can we do? But this is where you see the utility of harnessing a budget fight, having a national fight. Well, why is there a government shutdown? Well, they want to let out child molesters of other countries into your neighborhood. They want to bring the gangs, cartels, drugs, crime. They want to abolish prison. They want the – I mean, I mean, you know this, Steve. I have like an unlimited number of cases, and I can find cases in everyone's states and districts of jailbreak, of sanctuaries, all this stuff. Willie Horton from, from day to night. I'm not saying Matt Bevin lost because he was a jailbreaker. The election wasn't about jailbreak. He was unpopular for other reasons. But when you don't throw these punches, in his case, he was on the other side of, uh, other side of it, you can't win. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem. If you had a sane Republican Party that believed in its platform, most suburban voters do not believe in embracing Hamas and MS-13 and banning straws and having crappy... Uh, washing machines uh, that don't watching, work. Watching it, men beat their daughters at the state high school track meet, they don't believe in that either. They, yeah. they, they don't want that. Yep. And, and you see, I mean, let's take Tucson. Tucson, I don't know the margin of victory for Hillary. In Pima County at large, it was 14%, but here I think it was 30 to 50 because it's it's very um, polarized there. This is the city of Tucson. It is majority-minority. It's 41% Hispanic, and that was as of eight years ago. Um, if there is one place you're going to lose on that issue, it's here. And yet we defeated sanctuaries with 71% of the vote. Uh, Montgomery County announced this week uh, County Executive Elrich, because there was a lot of sunlight on their sanctuary policies, he is going to allow ICE in uh, under certain circumstances. Hillary won Montgomery County, Maryland by 56% points so there's a problem where voters clearly aren't seeing sex change ms-13 let out child molester criminal aliens versus the guy who's going to fight that mm -hmm. in joe six-pack republican mm -hmm. joe six-pack democrat let me extrapolate that prince william county virginia okay so at least countywide, it's not as blue as tucson city but the incumbent prosecutor and sheriff who support 287G were defeated by people who want to not work with ICE. I doubt a majority of those voters, if you ask them, should we allow criminal aliens into your neighborhood, would agree with them. I think I don't have reason to believe they would be different, at least worse than the people of Tucson. But the problem is because Republicans suck and because they're perceived as in power. Trump's persona is not popular. 
Um, their brand is tarnished. Democrats are able to run on a ge- generic anti. And Republicans have not harnessed a sustained and protracted debate. You could have one candidate here and there touch on it. But if you don't have your own messaging, you're downstream. I'm not confident Chip Roy could survive on his own because he's one congressman from a dumpster fire Republican Party. Mm -hmm. I think Governor Ron DeSantis, where he is defining the GOP brand on immigration in Florida, you're seeing success there. But if you're a good sheriff or prosecutor in Virginia with a dumpster fire Republican Party, I mean, even if you're personally good, that, that ship has sailed. Voters don't see that. And I just like I don't understand why these guys don't want to win. So I don't have an answer for you, Steve, on that. We saw them earlier this year. I mean, old Ditch made everybody vote on the Green New Deal. New Deal, remember that? And the orgasmic uh, cocaine Mitch memes from his stenographers and conservative media getting busy all over themselves. Line up, circle, a pleasure, a pleasuring, a self pleasuring circle. They couldn't get enough. What a brilliant move this was. Well, why aren't we doing this on Elizabeth Warren's health care plan? Why aren't we doing this on trans athletes? Why not put them all on the record? And there's, I mean, there's two of the three front, alleged front runners in the Democratic Party are senators in his chamber where he's the majority. He can make them vote on this stuff, put them on the record, let the country see. Why doesn't he do it, Daniel? And, and, and Steve, just to make what you said a little bit worse, I, I, I just want to bring in one, one piece of information that I think a lot of people are missing. People are focused on Kentucky, focused on Virginia. One thing that's very fascinating is that there was a 40-point swing in suburban Jackson, Mississippi, and DeSoto County, suburban Memphis, which is in north northwest Mississippi, where in DeSoto, uh, the, the previous governor won it four years ago by um, 61 points. Current one won it by 20. Jackson suburbs won it by 40-something. Now they won it by one point. Dude... This is not one state, one area. This is not Virginia. See, a lot of our colleagues are going to chalk this up to like, yeah, that's the swamp. That's the outgrowth from D.C. But here's the deal. That's old news. What is new news is that they are losing every area around Richmond. They're losing Hampton Roads in, in the northeast of Virginia. Anywhere where there is a city, certainly we've written off the cities long ago, we're losing Every single suburb, including white Southern voters. So this is not just immigration where you can blame on the demographic changes. That's the baseline why we don't have margin of error. And that's been that way and it's continuing to be that way. But that's not the news here. Now, we would argue if you actually had an intrepid uh, safety and security agenda on the cartels, on drugs, on homelessness, on crime, on sanctuaries, you would you would win them over. And that's kind of our point. But people who think, oh, it's the immigrants who did us in, that is not true. We are losing voters that it is just criminal malpractice to lose. So suburban voters have been, because they're largely white middle class voters, they've been a reliable Republican building block or voting block my whole life. Okay, which and I'm older than you, so your whole life as well. Um, the number one reason forecasters like me predicted that Trump was going to lose in 2016 is he was polling historically anemic with those white suburban voters. Uh, now, he did end up winning them on election day by five points when most of the forecast models had him losing them outright. So he not only won them, but he won them outside you know, uh, uh, any margin for error. But in 2018, Democrats won those voters in House races nationwide by eight points. So we saw a 13-point swing from 2016 to 2018. 
so what's the commonality there? What, what, what is the, what is the, what is the reason? Cause I live in the suburbs. I see it all right here in Iowa. I see it in the suburbs where I'm at. What's, what is the commonality you're seeing where the suburbs of Iowa and the suburbs of Mississippi and the suburbs of Virginia, what do they have in common? Do you think that's chronic for the GOP? Because there is absolutely no reason to love the GOP and Trump, only reasons to hate them, and they haven't been forced to scrutinize the alternative at this point, so it's been attractive to vote for Democrats. The, the, the ultimate political science question of our time for the next number of months is going to be this. 2016, Trump managed to bring in enough people to counteract what he was already bleeding even as he was winning. What we have seen since then, and what I mean since then is all of the special elections, the 2017 November general elections, the 2018 big midterm elections, and then again last night, 2019, it, it is a very consistent trend is that we are further bleeding those suburban voters without any other gains anywhere else. But the ultimate question is, once you have a specific face, let's say Elizabeth Warren, mm -hmm. a snobby, you know, radical that now there's a face to the opposition. Now there's scrutiny. Now they have to vouch for their views. Does the ballot now look closer to the Tucson initiative of do you want um, right. illegal alien sex offenders or in your community or not? Or does it look like do you like the GOP and Trump's persona or not? That is going to be the question, and as down as I am on Republicans, it could very well be that that will tilt it back, right. and that will accentuate and, um, In other know, words, do you want the whore of Babylon because Orange Man tweets bad, right? All right that, that's essentially what you're saying. But, but, but again, from, from voters, it's not like they're seeing major results, or if there are, they're very quiet because Republicans haven't had a unified, consistent protracted yeah. message they can't. of success the, on anything. The, part, the party can't because it doesn't want to... It, the Democrats cannot govern because the, they're outside the American mainstream on any actual issues. The Republicans will not, will not govern because to do so would be to actually uh, move right on issues that they don't want to move right on. And so, so we are stuck in this cycle of... Of, as Todd likes to say, whoever's dumbest last loses. All right. Uh, you know, another Comey uh, note about Hillary's emails. What did Trump tweet last night? That's why all the reactions are to these peripheral things, because yep. one party cannot govern because whenever it tries to, it gets it lets it lets the American people in on the fact they're communists and the American people are like, I don't want that. And so the other party will not govern because it hates its own base and doesn't. And so whenever it comes out, it, it, it has then the veneer of we're conservatives comes off. And that creates dissension within the Republican Party. So here we are, you know, having these debates. And meanwhile, when you give people a, a chance to activate outside of the system and say, hey, you, uh, you know, progressive, enlightened uh, college town, do you want to be a sanctuary city for MS-13 gangs, human traffickers? Hell no, I don't. Oh, okay. And, but there's no means by which to politically follow up with those people and try to create a coalition with them to stop this scourge systematically because to do so would require engaging the current two-party process. And 
That's just a non-starter. The GOP's brand is too damaged, as you pointed out. And one of the reasons it's damaged is everybody knows it's not going to do a damn thing about these issues. Just talk about them. When they give them, they just know they're really good at talking about them if you give them power and then not doing a damn thing about it once you do. Everybody knows that. And, and notice, Steve, you haven't mentioned and I haven't mentioned much about Trump. Most other analyses of, of this election is going to be surrounding the typical focal point of is it Trump's fault, not Trump's fault. And they're all wrong and all right at the same time. Um, we're getting the luggage of everyone mixed together in the lowest common denominator. So, yes, when it comes to Trump, there are problems with his persona. There's problems with his governing model. And you're going to lose. But it, you're going to lose in a different way than Romney lost. But you're both going to lose. It's going to look a little different, a right. little different geography. Romney won independence, like Karl Rove said, was the key to the election. He won independence in 2012. Yeah. Still lost. So there you go. Still lost. Yeah. It, it's just going to spread the pie out differently. The common denominator is that the Republican Party sucks. The Republican Party will never be a vehicle for success. They'll 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 succeed electorally when Democrats are swept into power, and then there's backlash because yep. people don't want them, so they go back yep. to them yep. just to do nothing, rinse and repeat the cycle. But at the end of the day, that is never going to work. Um, even if you had an amazing person. They're going to run up against them as Trump runs up against sure. them, and he he's often has problems. Yeah. But then Trump has his problems independently. You put them together, and independent common sense ideas that aren't even conservative. It's just like, hey, a guy with a yin and a yang is a man. Like, hey, we have a border. Hey, like right. criminals a criminal. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, like it's not that hard. But I'm just <laughs> telling you, I am a I am the only one who believes in prison anymore. I mean, I, I, I didn't get the memo, but in conservative politics, I mean, everyone is Cory Booker now. I, I just I, I must have missed that email. No one believes in prison, but everyone I speak to on the streets, they don't know this is happening, but they're like, really? Like they're letting these guys out. I mean, why wouldn't we inform them that it's happening? Well, because Republican donors agree with it. Hmm. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us again this week, my friend. Always good to see you, brother. Take care. Take care. You guys have about a minute. Any final thoughts here? You know, the old uh, axiom, boy, so-and-so really has to be uh, trying to be that negative adjective. Mm -hmm. That's actually true uh, most of the time, especially when it comes to the Republican Party. I think that's the bottom line of today's show. It's, it's not that they are incapable of government, uh, governing. It's just that they hate you. They are incapable of governing the way that you want them to mm -hmm. because they hate you. Mm -hmm. I was in a great mood when I came in. Now I need a Silkwood shower. Well, then we did our job. We did. All right, we're going to stick around and do a little overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, noon to 2 Eastern tomorrow, right after Glenn Beck, here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.